like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather. She- oh, wait, wait, Heather. There's somebody at the studio door. Oh, can you, can you go check and see who it is? All right, I'll virtually open the door. Well, who who's there, Heather? Heather, you're not playing along. We have guests. Who who came to the, who came to the door, Heather? Oh, that door. No, we have a bunch of doors knocking because everybody's in different houses. Uh, we have two guests on today, and we have two children's books writers, and one is a writer illustrator. We have Heidi Sheffield and Leslie Helikowski. Welcome, both of you. Hi, hi. Welcome. Oh. I'm sorry I, I threw you off, Heather. I apologize. I was expecting like a giant puppet or something to come. <laughs> No, I just wanted you to go to the door and let our guests in. Um, I, I assume they're bringing over banana bread or something to talk about uh, children's books. So, Well, yeah, as many of you know, I write for adults, but I write for kids too. And so I've got to know all kinds of people in the children's book world. And since all of you read so many picture books, both to kids at home and kids in your classes, I thought that some of you are probably thinking, I wonder what goes into writing a picture book, or I bet I could write one. I wonder how I do that. It looks so easy. <laughs> so I think we're here to encourage you to think, wow, kids' books are wonderful, but also to uh, let you know that, that there's more that goes into them than meets the eye. So welcome. And Heidi, I particularly wanted to say um, hello to you for everybody, because you have a brand new picture book that just came out during the pandemic. Can you tell us um, a little bit about what its title is and what it's about? (laughs) Uh, It's called Brick by Brick. And it's a story of a young boy and his dad. And um, his father is a bricklayer. And the story follows them together, the father uh, laying the bricks of various buildings and the boy, the, the father, the father laying brick by brick, the boy reading book by book. Um, so there's a nice uh, harmony there, interplay of, of those two. Yeah, and so I know this is a podcast and all you listeners can't see her gorgeous pictures, but Heidi is not just the writer, but the illustrator. And she has um, shapes and colors that will just dazzle. And uh, this this book does follow a family and you know, the, the man, the father might be, 
building the bricks and the boys doing clay. You know, everything's age appropriate, but um, eventually he builds a house for the family and it's just, it's just a lovely story. The other thing I noticed too, is that it's got a lot of, you know, it's mostly in English, but it's got a little bit of Spanish thrown in there too. Yeah, it does. It does. And the, the book actually came about um, verbally first. So I saw uh, a man who was building a house and when he stood up he was silhouetted in the window of the house and as he stood up I just heard this little boy's voice saying mi papi es fuerte mi papi is strong he's a bricklayer his arms are like stone so it it started with a visual but then it became like an auditory written thing so I, I found that fascinating very cool and um Jumping over to Leslie for a moment. Leslie and Heidi both worked on a book together. Um, Leslie wrote the words and, and Heidi was chosen as the illustrator. Um, Leslie, can you introduce the book you collaborated on? I can. Um, the book we collaborated on is called Are Your Stars Like My Stars? And actually, I helped choose Heidi for that book, um, which is something that doesn't happen very often in the children's book world. Usually the publisher chooses the illustrator, um, but I've known Heidi for years. We're in the same critique group um, and have seen each other's work for years. And um, when we were choosing an artist, actually we had a different artist for the book lined up. Um, and it's a, the book is about how we see the world and, and asking children to, to think about how others see it and do we see things the same way. So it's really this beautiful, lovely sentiment and we wanted the art um, to reflect that. Mm -hmm. My yeah. art, um, I've illustrated some of my books, but my art is more playful and um, that's not, it wasn't the style that we wanted. So um, when our first artist dropped out, she, she had scheduling conflicts, she dropped out and we were looking for a new artist and I threw Heidi's hat in there and I just said, you know, we have this, I know this woman whose art is fantastic. I think it would be right for this. And um, as soon as they saw it, they were like, let's give her a call. <laughs> so um, that, that was that. Heidi was excited to be part of it and she just did a great job with, with matching the emotional words with the, visual images from all over the world. So it was perfect. Yeah, so just to give a peek for people who can't see her illustrations right now, I mean, it, it says things like, is my blue your blue? And then there'd be all these gorgeous illustrations with blue and the same with white or pink and different things. So, and by the way, I love the llama picture. I don't no. know, if you know, but I, um, that, I think that was for the white color, but the llama's fur looks like it's coming out to greet you. It's so fuzzy looking. And I worked with llamas um, uh, many years ago. I, I was a llama trekking guide in the um, Colorado mountains. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, they weren't always as affectionate and adorable as in your picture. There's a lot of llama spit involved in my job, but I did appreciate the llama picture. So Heather, that, might, that might be one of your jobs I never heard of. <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't got to that one yet. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, what struck me with the, um, is your, are, are your stars like my stars, is there's some children's books, and I think you know what I mean by this, is that seem written for adults, where they're just, they're kind of a sentiment, like we should be nice to people, we should treat people well, the, 
or kind of message books. And even though this book has a message, it's very appealing to all ages. And I think that's the mark of, of a good picture book in that there's things in the pictures for kids to find. There's um, obviously good words and rhythm to the, to the story, but there's things that the adults would find interesting too. And sometimes, um, sometimes the kids like the ones that are the most irreverent, you know, sure. <laughs> fact, I was just talking to my, my son, we went out for an exercise walk and he, he was rediscovering Pippi Longstocking and how she can lift up a policeman. I mean, and, and sass back the teacher and all these fun things. <laughs> that we could never do upside down. Yeah. And tickles his funny bones. So sometimes, um, some some books that get put out there that people choose to read to kids are ones that I call adult books, where it's really just something that the adult wants to hammer into the kid's head rather than let me share some joy with you, whatever mm -hmm. that type of joy is. Well, that's certainly something I try to avoid doing when I'm writing stories, um, not hammering home a message. You want it to come about organically from the story and from what they're seeing. But on the other hand, I always think, you know, books are for whoever likes them. I mean, if, if someone gets something out of it, great. It's, you know, the chances are if it's doing what you're saying and only speaking to the adult, it's not going to be a particularly good selling book. Um, so that's certainly something I try to avoid doing. Um, now, do you guys test out your books um, on a child if you're getting your manuscript ready do you see if they like it do, that they would sit still and be interested do you ever do that i do i do but um you know not actually in the past few years i had kind of a lull in young children around me <laughs> so i didn't do as many as i i used to when my kids were home i was always reading to them um but i do still often do it now i'm getting a little in influx of um great nieces and nephews popping up <laughs> and um and so i am reading to this to some of them and some of them have influenced me even if i'm not reading to them i see what they're doing i have one little nephew who is so into bugs I and mean, he's lifting up rocks and his head's under rocks literally all the time and he's coming out with disgusting things but he just <laughs> is fascinated by the bugs and it's made me think oh, maybe I need to write something about bugs. And I have written something about bugs. And so they do still um, influence me greatly. I, I find myself, well, before the pandemic, my daughter is in seventh grade, but I would find myself going through the early elementary school just so I could walk through and kind of observe the kids coming into their, you know, their, their day at school and seeing the parents with them and the teachers. And that always nudges something out of your subconscious. Mm -hmm. um, but it is fun to be able to, to read things to them. Now, the, the flip side is, is very often they could like something that maybe needs a lot of work like much, much so so just because they like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's ready for prime time no that's right. a really good point yeah <laughs> so how do you know when your work is feeling ready i mean i i think um i did the same thing a lot of listeners probably have done which is when when i had kids i started reading more picture books than usual right i, yes. I read them in the past but suddenly there were little ones in my house i started reading a lot of picture books and i thought 
bingo, I can write one of these. So how do you, and then I started trying it and I realized, oh my gosh, this is not as good as what I'm reading. <laughs> and it's just, it, they seem so simple, deceptively simple. Um, so let me just start with you, Heidi. How do you, um, did that happen to you too? And how did you, how do you realize that you, it's a real craft and you have to get ready and practice for prime time? Um, well, I think, I think that began, um, since I'm an illustrator, I was kind of working on the writing and the illustration at the same time. And I, it was a very hard and difficult struggle because you realize what you like in terms of art and you realize what you like in terms of writing. And these, these are very high standards, right? You think, oh, you know, you recognize the beauty of, of say, Leslie's text. I mean, she is so nuanced in, in the way she uses words and, and, and the turn of a word is so different. And then, and then the amount of words, it's, it's a very precious thing. I mean, you, I, I see picture books as haikus and a haiku does not contain anything that it doesn't need, right? It's so spare. Um, so I think, I think writing them is like, it's almost like a puzzle because there, there is a set amount of space that you have to work with. And if you have anything over 500 words, you're just, you're way off. You got to boil, boil, boil down. Yeah. That's why I tell people I'm not good enough to be a picture book writer yet. <laughs> I write, I write long. <laughs> I write middle grade novels and adult, adult books. I, I haven't mastered a poem yet. <laughs> There's a poem I really, uh, I mean, a saying I really like by Mark Twain. He says, um, I'd have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Um, <laughs> because go. it does take a lot of time to boil something down to just the essence of, of what you want to say. And, um, and nothing, you know, nothing in it that's not needed. Well, I suppose the same goes for the illustrations as well, because you've only, you only have so many square inches of, of space on sure. the book and so to convey those ideas it's it's that 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 boiled down kind of nuanced process as well huh it's picking and choosing right i mean i know leslie you can talk to this as well but um you only have a certain number of frames and you you tend to look at it cinematically um for those who are interested in this um there are lots of um places online that will show you how to, to storyboard something. And when you can storyboard a, a picture book of 32 pages, you have all these nice little thumbnails where you can actually see the rhythm of the story, you know, in a, in a pictural sense, mm -hmm. and then choose from there and then bring your work up, up to size. So let's just dispel the myth because I hear a lot of people when they hear, talk to me and say, oh, you write books for kids too. Um, here I wrote a book and drew the pictures. And so I think that if you want to publish um, with a, a New York publishing company, it's important to note that if you write the text on the whole, you don't illustrate your own book. Now we happen to have two talented guests on the podcast who, who do both, but um, mere mortals usually just do one or the other. Um, so if you're the writer, generally they pick the illustrator for you. 
and as Leslie was saying, in this case, they actually picked somebody that she knew and recommended, but that's pretty unusual. Usually they pick someone you'll never meet, and you might not even like their artwork, but they, um, the publisher thinks it's a, a good fit for your text. Um, but I was wondering, when you actually do illustrate your own stories, how, which comes first for you? Because usually the writing comes first and then the publisher picks the illustrator. But when you do both, which one comes first for you, Heidi? Uh, for me, it can come in a variety of ways. Like I said, with the Brick by Brick book, I saw an image that inspired an instant story in my head. And then I, which is weird to actually hear the voice then of, of the character speaking. But I've had other books where um, um, the one that I'm, I'm working on called Ice Cream Face, this is for 2022. And that just started with, with a visual of, of a child eating ice cream and just blissful and happy. And as I worked on that image, a whole storyline kind of came down. So that started with an image. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're all different. They're <laughs> Yeah. Like a box of chocolates, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wondered if you wanted to talk about some of the other books that you've done yourself. Um, like you have Wolber books and um, Hoot and Honk. Do you think of when you're creating a book, is it kind of like playing? I, I mean, we're focused a lot in this podcast about the, the glories of childhood play and how we need to let kids just free play. And as adults, we often constrain ourselves either with time or I'm not good enough. But when you're creating a picture book, do you feel like you're in a play mode when you're? You know what? At, at certain points, I feel like I'm playing. And um, at certain points, it just feels like work. <laughs> So it's a, it's a mix, but um, I love when, when I have an idea, like Heidi mentioned, she got that visual and you're like, oh, um, let me play with that. And I, you take it to paper and you start doodling and you start thinking out the story. That part is really fun. I love that. Um, when I think I have a good idea and start running with it, I think that's the most fun for me. And that, and I like, I like the illustration part too. Once I get the sketches for um, a book done, then it feels more like play when I'm adding the color. Mm -hmm. um, so there are parts that are definitely playful. And, and, and we have a mutual friend, another artist friend, who's always saying, um, you know, what, what have you painted for yourself? What have you painted for yourself this month? You know, and instead of always, it reminds me, I hear her voice often because it reminds me to do it just for fun and not just for an assignment. Sure. No, and that's that's really important. I actually had a an art challenge recently to to post a piece for seven days, and um, I think that does remind you to kind of go in just the playfulness aspect that Leslie was just talking about. Um, it's important to to kind of fuel your own inner kid. I want to say if my kid is bored, then some other kid is going to be bored when they're looking at my work. If I'm not excited about it, then they won't be excited about it. Yeah. So I was thinking about the experience. I mean, the wonderful thing about picture books is that it tends to be a very social experience because normally we read them to kids who can't yet read the words themselves. 
Um, and so there's more than one human involved and it's usually multi-generational and you have the warmth of their body sitting on your lap or, you know, it's, it's more than just the book, the text and its pictures, it's a whole experience. So creating a book for that experience, how do you, how do you bring in the readers, um, both the kid reader, the kid experiencer and, and the adult, do you think of them and, and what, where they're going to point to things on the page and, and how the page turn is going to work? Can you talk about that thinking process? Well, I do all those things. I think about um, what, the, what the child's going to react to. I like to think about what they might interact with. If there's a repeated um, refrain, maybe that they would pick up and want to say again and again through the book or some something that's hidden visually or reoccurring on pages that for them to find. Um, I'll try to start, uh, beginnings are really, I, I change them or often change them around a lot because you have to do a lot in that beginning. You have to grab their attention and keep it. And um, so I will try to start with something active, something fun, something surprising, you know, to get to, to have them say, oh, what's this? Let's see, let's turn the page. I think a lot of times too, as I'm going through the text, I read it aloud a lot so that I get the sense of what it's like being the mom or dad reading it. What's it like going to be like looking at this at night? Because half the time we're in darkened rooms, right? How is this going to read? And then what are some words that a child is either going to trip over or maybe there's a word to introduce that they haven't heard before that they could bring into their vocabulary. So there's, there's a lot kind of that you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed looking at a variety of, of both your books is that the number of um, sounds that come in, like words like scrape or, you know, splash, just sort of um, noises that you, you put into your uh, language so that the adult might make that noise a little more, you know, more dramatic or something. Yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like it's just a visual. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it feels more like an experience then, right? Because then you've got the picture and you have the words and you hear almost like a sound effect, right? Depending on which, which words you choose. And for some, for some kids, that get it becomes a visceral experience for them when you, when you put in all those sensory, sensory experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and for sure. You just, you just see, it, see them quaking sometimes, waiting for that part to come up. It's, it's delightful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, that's part of the pacing again. I mean, especially if, you're, if you have something that's kind of like a bedtime book where you're, you're pacing yourself through maybe more activity in the beginning. And then as you get toward the end, it's kind of, it's kind of getting more quiet. The the colors are getting more subdued. You're getting ready to kind of turn in, right? Turn in for the night. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on bedtime books, yes. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I should say bedtime books. Yeah. Or yeah. sometimes in our house we would be reading, you know, twenty two books in a row, and so <laughs> you don't want to keep winding down because you're still going strong. I remember the stack and the bookshelf would be on one side of the chair and then the stack of books we'd gone through as the other. And I'm gasping for water. <laughs> well, more, more books. Something else that you, you have to have a book that your, a parent is going to be willing and wanting to read again and again and again, right? Yes. 
Um, it's funny, the books in our house, would some, some of the lesser than books, I kind of took away from the pile because I wanted, I wanted more for my child, right? And just because it was there doesn't mean, anyway, what I'm trying to say is. Um, I totally agree with you. I, I, yeah. call, I call some of them junk books and they tended to be the ones they'd be given and I was just about to say a present, right? And somebody and I would say, "Oh no!" I'd find well it in the meaning. backpack, and I'd read it as ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it would, it would mysteriously <laughs> disappear, not immediately, because I do, you know, respect the kid that they just got a present. They need to enjoy their present, but it wouldn't last for years around the house. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And often the ones, I mean, there's some that just bored me and those, they didn't offend me. They just bored me. That was okay. And if the kid liked them, the kid liked them. The ones I called really junk books were ones often that would take a story that was a good story and pretty it up so that nobody's feelings were hurt and that the world was perfect. Like mm -hmm. I remember a junk book that came home one time with one of my kids and it was the story of Chicken Little and the sky is falling. But it was, which is an old legend, and everybody's told that story many times with different illustrations. But this one had, um, I think the fox in the end sat down and had a nice dinner with all the birds so that nobody was being gobbled up. They were all friends. And it, it, oh, really? it, it was so not satisfying. <laughs> and I read that book to him the first time I said, this is not a story, <laughs> the real story. And then he got so interested that the fox ate them all. That was much more interesting to him. That'll keep them up at night. That'll keep them going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's, not, that's not a bedtime story. That's, a, that's, a, no, that's stuff that's nightmares a are made of. Story, but. but Heidi's right about the mood of a piece. I mean, about reading, you know, it should create a mood if it's playful or if it's teasing or if it's, um, you know, sleepy, lulling. So definitely you want to have a, a mood readable. Yeah, and there's a rhythm that goes with it, right? You know, there's, um, there, there's kind of, there's a beginning, middle and end. There's a definite crescendo at some point during the book, right? Oftentimes, I'm just thinking of our stars. It doesn't exactly have a crescendo, but, um, but it does wind up, I think, in a beautiful circular way. Um, but yeah, that, that's a different format than a traditional structure of a of a picture. It book. really is. It really mm -hmm. is, and it's such a lovely a lovely book. It's um, it's one of those books that I think you would read even if you're not a kid. That if you're an adult going through a store and you just happen to see it, and it's it's such a present. You know, every time you open it, you hear something different from Leslie's language. I mean it brings, it conjures up different images every time. Um, and then of course you can take a trip via the illustrations that are there. Yeah, yeah. So I just, um, thinking of one of your other books, Leslie, one of your, I think you have two Wolber books, is that right? I do. And what's the second one called? One's just called Wolber. The first one is Wolber and that one's been out for quite a while. It's been out for 10 years. Um, and I think it's my top selling book, but um, Wolbert Goes to School, Ready or Not, Wolbert Goes to School is a, um, a newer book, came out a year or so ago, and it deals with um, school readiness. With um, the kid, the, in this case, the parents wonder if 
Wilbur thinks he's ready for school, but his parents wonder if he is ready for school. So it's the parents that are afraid. Wilbur is not afraid. Um, and so it deals with, with a, a lot of things we can all recognize, you know, having raised kids and trying to, <laughs> to get them to and answer all these questions. Are they ready? Are they, you know, parental overprotection <laughs> a little bit of you Jeff um, in that Wilbur goes his own way and he doesn't really care what other people think so <laughs> in the first book he has wild woolly hair and all the other sheep are getting sheared all the same way and you know Wilbur doesn't want to do what the flock wants to do so anyway the flock ends up following him and the I like the language play where instead of it's, uh, I think it's ma and pa, but it's ma and pa, <laughs> and there's grandpa. And so, or is it grandma? It's, it's a grandparent sheep who says, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. Don't worry. Let him be a sheep. <laughs> that sounds like my kind of sheep. Yeah. yeah. And of course you picked a sheep because, I mean, I'm guessing you can tell us where you got it, but it, it seems like sheep are the ones that always follow along and do what the flock does. Well, yeah, that was a, um, a happy coincidence, actually. Well, the, actually, this also came from a visual idea. Sometimes mine come from visuals as well, Heidi. Sometimes they come from words, but sometimes it's an image. And in this case, in Wilbur's case, it was my youngest son had come back with a drawing of a sheep and he had just, drawn the sheep behind a dressing screen so all you saw was the sheep's feet and um <laughs> it his wool was sticking out of the sides and it was really colorful and i just thought who's this sheep what is yeah. it <laughs> <No>, personality <laughs> and um yeah, my son was in like second or third grade and um he thought he was being smart by putting the sheep behind the screen so he didn't really have to draw him <laughs> but um, it sparked an idea for me, and and that became that became Wilbur, and Wilbur goes to school. Uh, I'd love to hear more about your individual processes for writing. I know I know Heather is a up early in the morning kind of writing person. What what's your what's what's the day look like? Do you lock yourself in the office? Is it what, what's it like? Um, it depends. I mean, right now I'm in the middle of a book launch, so there's a lot of monitoring of social media, and that's something that is not my favorite at all, uh, to be honest with you, but it's, it's something these days that you can't really get away from. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, since we didn't have, you know, a bookstore to have um, a release, it, this is how people are finding out about the book. So. Um, my day has been starting more with that, whereas I'd much rather have it like Heather's schedule where you're in the morning, you're working on your stuff. Um, my, my schedule is very fluid, uh, with my daughter, usually she has a lot of activities and I'm still very much doing, doing that kind of thing too. So it, it switches up, but as she gets older, I think there's going to be less of that and there'll be more of me in my studio so to speak mm -hmm. well i'm um i'm i used to have more of a schedule where i i got up early in the morning before the kids went to school but my kids are all grown now and um, my husband just retired so i have a lot more time to just work on my projects so um i come i usually come in in the morning and work after breakfast after i go for a walk i just 
launch on whatever um, project I'm in the middle of. I'm usually balancing a few things at the same time. Um, but I find it really, I don't know, sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes you just have to change the change the plan and and do something else if it's not working then I'll i just, agree so it's there's there's always I, I don't know i don't keep a strict schedule i guess is what i'm saying so it sounds like you're going to start writing your own picture book jeff no 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 <laughs> but we should give a little bit of a tip to those of you who think gosh i would like to write a picture book um, or a book for kids is the best advice that I think all of us would have is join this group called the Society for Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators. Um, we usually call it SCBWI, but that's hard to say. So um, Society for Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators, and you should have one in any state. Um, it's international, so wherever you're listening from, you should be able to find a chapter that's relatively near you and then go meet people and learn how to do it. It's really fun. Um, well, I think we should probably wrap up. Um, are we? Oh, I'd like to make sure that um, both of you can tell people where to find your books. Uh, can, Heidi, can you tell people the name of your two most recent books again and how to buy them? Sure. Um, so I illustrated Leslie's book, Are Your Stars Like My Stars? And my debut book is Brick by Brick. And uh, Brick by Brick is being sold right now um, through various channels. You can find it online at your favorite indie bookstore. But if you go to my Facebook page and you buy it from Nicola's Books, you will be put into a drawing for a piece of artwork. Cool. So um, that's kind of fun. Or if you go to my website, www.heidibooks.com, go to the book section and you can just click on there and buy it from there. Great. Wonderful. What about you, Leslie? Um, well, my books are available pretty much everywhere. Also, um, independent bookstores, or you can order them. Um, my most recent books are, are your stars like my stars, which came out right before all of this um, pandemic in, in January. So um, we were just getting started on promoting that when um, all of this shutdown hit. So but it's still doing, it still had a very nice launch. Um, and I also have a, another book with Sterling called Hoot and Honk, Just Can't Sleep, about an owlet and a gosling that end up in each other's nest and they can't sleep at the right time because one is nocturnal and one is diurnal. So um, he slipped some of that science in there. That's always a kind of nice, fun thing to do. Um, so Hoot and Honk and and are your stars like my stars? And then Wilbur um, goes to school. Ready or not, Wilbur goes to school. Right. Excellent. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up, Heather? Well, I'm just thrilled to have two such talented artists, creators, writers. Um, and you know, if you are someone who loves a good picture book, look up Heidi and Leslie's work because I think you'll be delighted to get some new books in your repertoire as you read to kids and to know that there's so much effort that they put into their books to make it something you will want to read. Can I yeah. say one thing real quick, Heather? Yeah. Um, we put together a really great activity guide for stars mm -hmm. and that's on Leslie's website and my website as well. So those have lots of good activities 
right now. And then we also did the stories too, where we read the stories. So there are video of um, us reading stars and there's a video of brick by brick actually too. Cool. So. Well, if, if you, you if, if, after we wrap this up, if you send me the links, I will actually put them in the show notes so people can click right from their podcast player over to those sites and check them out. So make, make, it, awesome. make it easier. Thank you. Great idea. This year, this has been the Renegade Rules podcast. We will be back sometime with another episode. We might be taking a few weeks off. Uh, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.